Thank you all for joining us to learn more about Drexel's areas of excellence and opportunity. I am Gwen Grasberger, Associate Vice Provost for Research Development. Today, I'm excited to be in the conversation with our panelists, Paul Jensen, Executive Vice President, and Nina Henderson, Provost, and David Onroos, Senior Vice President for Institutional Advancement. So let's get started. Drexel 2030, Designing the Future, our strategic plan, the Executive Committee identified four primary areas of focus for the university to remain competitive, health, technology and engineering, design, and social sciences. Recognizing that these areas would require further refinement, the Office of the Provost, led by Paul, launched a process to do just that. So Paul, please share with us your vision, goals, and approach to this process to refine these focus areas. Great. Well, thanks, Gwen, and thanks for having me. Glad to be here. I'd start by saying I I think this was important. You know, this strategic plan was the first one in my time here, and I've been here 27 years or so, that instead of just saying we're a comprehensive research university, we actually kind of put some stakes in the ground around health, technology, design, social science. I think what we came to realize a couple years into implementation is two things. One is we needed to be a little more intentional about focusing, you know, the idea that we can't try to do everything. And these are really broad areas. So part of this was just focus. And then part is also a strategic alignment of resources. And I think maybe the easiest way to understand that and and what I think about a lot, so I think it's a good example, is when I work with deans in terms of hiring faculty, what we wanted is a little more guidance for how we could do more coordinated, more intentional hiring. So if you just say health, it's kind of hard to pick several deans and say, okay, let's strategize in health. So this was really, you know, how can we be a little more intentional about collaborating across academic units as an example of, you know, strategically aligning resources. So the approach that we took in trying to get to this area being more focused and more intentional was really two things, looking internally at what are the things we're currently really good at. And so this was looking at our academic programs, where do we have strong programs, and then importantly also looking at our research, as you well know, you know, and and looking at where we have depth and, and where we're really making an impact. And then the other piece of, that w- of this that was really important was, you know, we don't want to just sort of focus on what are we good at and, and kind of operate in our own little world here. So w- it was important to look outside and ask the question, what are important growing needs in society? What, what are growing trends in terms of employment? What, what are the skills that are needed? What are, you know, looking at what the government is funding, which I partner with you and your Mm -hmm. team on, what are the trends there? Where are the areas where we see growing opportunity? So it kind of defines itself areas of excellence and opportunity, and that's literally what we're looking for. And so kind of looking at those intersections, and that's how we arrived at these 10 areas. Great. And so speaking of the strategic alignment and intentionality, you often speak of connecting the disconnected assets. And of course, that resonates with me because I see myself as a connector here in the institution. And so with the identification of these 10 areas of excellence and opportunity, how do you envision their integration into the characteristics that define Drexel, which are experiential learning, um, research and innovation, 
scholarship, and civic engagement? I think there's a couple thoughts on this. I, I think, first of all, on the things that define Drexel, we've always been known for experiential learning, being pragmatic, and, and really being connected to the community and society. And so in thinking about areas of excellence and opportunity, you know, what I think about a lot is this idea of solving societal problems. And what is really required for us to be effective in that, and I think this is the big opportunity for us moving forward, is instead of thinking about the things that we do, civic engagement, research, education, as separate activities, how do we think about them as being more tightly connected, right? So it's the integration of these things that define us that I think is really an opportunity for Drexel to kind of set ourselves apart in terms of what our mission is, how we can influence how higher ed as an industry moves forward. So I think this frame of being focused on solving societal problems gives us this ability, this need, in fact, to connect our various activities that define our mission. And then, you know, how this connects to areas of excellence and opportunity is sort of where we're choosing to apply this, right? As we talked about a second ago, part of the process of identifying AEOs is looking at what are the needs? And so something like sustainability surfaces when you start asking the question, you know, what are the growing needs out there? And so sustainability and and working with our faculty, our staff, our students to figure out how can we in meaningful ways tackle these problems. And now you all of a sudden you're looking at what are we bringing to the table in terms of research? Mm -hmm. What are our students interested in? How can we bring that that applied research into learning opportunities for students? How do we engage the community in that process, right? So that's how I see sort of the, the connectivity of the areas of excellence and the things that define us. That's fantastic. So going back to the strategic plan, in Drexel 2030's plan, it's built upon six strategic imperatives to ensure institutional excellence. And so how are the six imperatives interwoven into the areas of um, excellence? I mean, you just spoke about integration and connection. So can you expand on that a little bit? In some ways, these things are unrelated. And let me let me start there. And, and, and then in some ways, they're very much related. So what do I mean by they're unrelated? You know, when we talk about partnerships, we talk about impactful research, the AEOs help define where we're going to do that. You know, we're going to focus on urban issues. We're, we're going to focus on artificial intelligence. And as we're doing that work in these areas, we, we bring the idea of partnership, of research, of adaptable curricula, equity, you know, equity and the impact on society it bleeds into most of the work that we do across Drexel. So, well, could I interject please, on that? So, please, I've always looked at those as sort of the how the the imperatives are the how that how we do our work, the values that guide our work, and those should remain constant. And the AEOs are really the what and the why, right? So, what is it that we're going to do, and why are we doing it? What is the impact that we want to have? Why are we choosing to have that impact? But the the how we do it will be consistent throughout, you know, that those values, those those commitments to partnership, et cetera, stay, stay the same. Maybe that's a very simple way, but it works for me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so with these 10 areas of excellence, that's a lot to tackle. Where are we in the implementation? As we rolled the AEO effort out, what we decided to do was identify 
five areas where there was sort of immediate need and immediate opportunity. And this is coming in the, the form of external funding in some cases, and in some cases just needs you know, for Drexel and for Philadelphia. So we have identified the first five AEOs as an opportunity. So we're going to focus on these five, leverage the opportunities that exist, and, and to be clear about what some of these opportunities are, sustainability and climate resilience is one of the five that we're focusing on first. We received a $2 million grant to do work in this area, and that that money is going to be funding some interdisciplinary research. This is a great opportunity for us, and we've had some success with this, doing some convening events. It gets back to your question earlier about Mm -hmm. connecting disconnected assets. Sustainability is an example of something where we have enormous talent across the university, but they don't always know each other. And to to go after the problems that we really want to solve, we first need to connect these these folks. And and you know, I know that that's one of the things we're trying to do through through your office and part of the strategic plan goals is to be more intentional about bringing these teams, these interdisciplinary teams, that to go after larger funding opportunities. So sustainability is one that we're going after. There's amazing opportunities for funding. And we we just completed a call for work around computing and artificial intelligence and advanced manufacturing. So I think we just awarded four faculty teams seed funding to get going in those areas. We've done some convening events around urban futures. In that area, one of the problems that we want to focus on initially is dealing with urban crime and victims of crime and violence. And we, again, it's an area where we have a lot of expertise as a university. Not all those people know each other, so we're bringing those folks together. And then again, we want to provide seed funding to, to really stimulate activity in that area. I don't know if I hit all five there, but so the intent of starting with these five is really to give us a chance to learn how to be most effective in Mm -hmm. in terms of developing strategies and tactics for convening faculty and connecting them to external funders, connecting them to community members that we're working with. And so what what we learned through this piloting in these five areas, we will then roll out into the other five areas relatively soon. To the, the convening events around some of the pilots, there have been three so far, one around cell and gene therapy. We had a symposium back in May. There was also a manufacturing and materials, computing, AI cyber event, and then one with the collaboratory around climate and sustainability. And those last two do have the seed funding opportunities attached to them. And I know on the manufacturing materials and on the AI computing and cyber side, we've provided seed funding for projects. And then on the collaboratory side, I know they're really preparing now to to do the same. What do you anticipate is the next steps from these events? So in terms of next steps, let me, let me answer specifically in the context of the, the two research calls that we just did, which was computing and artificial intelligence and cybersecurity and advanced manufacturing. So in terms of next steps, so we'll have these groups working with their seed funding, doing their work. While that's happening, we're really kind of going back to some of the work that we did in the initial AEO process where during that work, we were able to do a certain amount of asset mapping and understanding you know, who, who the experts are and what assets we have across the university. 
we really need to continue that work. And so and one of the things that we're doing is beginning to build expert teams to support the work around AEOs. And so, you know, these will be teams of you know, roughly seven individuals who have expertise in these specific areas. And one of the first things that we need to do there is sort of complete this asset mapping. We know we don't have a complete picture. We have good ideas, uh, but we really need to sort of complete that asset mapping. And the combination of those two things, the work that's happening through these teams that just won the seed funding and the convening of these expert teams and better understanding the expertise we have across campus, all of that will be important in terms of setting up the university to be positioned to go after these large complex grants that we know that we can have more success in than we have historically. So I think being intentional in this way is something we've talked about through the entire strategic planning process in, in terms of you know how do we grow our research impact. And so I think these next steps will really be important in helping us achieve that. Great. So David, what roles do foundations and philanthropy play in the implementation of the AEOs and the seeded projects? Yeah, thank you, Gwen. So I'm really excited about the emerging areas of excellence and to have a robust and well-defined strategic plan because it really helps us sharpen our approach to potential funders, both individuals as well as uh, foundation and corporate funders. I think there's two levels I would um, speak to. One is, and we talked a little bit about the um, imperatives of the strategic plan. We always continually fundraise for activities that support our basic mission delivery, student success, quality of our programs, hiring faculty, et cetera. That's a a fundamental uh, part of the work that we do. So that goes on and we would sort of tilt our approach with funders when it makes sense to ensure that we are directing scholarship support, fellowship support, program, faculty support towards areas of excellence to help reinforce those general themes. More specifically, though, the areas of excellence, as they become increasingly defined, really enable us to go to um, particularly large potential funders, whether those are individual philanthropists or major um, foundations, with a very compelling case of how we can bring those assets to bear to solve significant problems. So if you think about a lot of the big national funders, the the Pews, the Kresge's, the you know Rockefeller Foundations, the Fords, et cetera, they're looking to invest in major projects that can be replicable, that have significant impact. There is little value in us approaching them from the standpoint of a specific project, but rather to go to say, if you help us bring all of these assets together and maybe partner with the federal funding that we've received, for example, and kind of surround the the activities, then we can do something really powerful, not only in our own community, but also in perhaps in other communities as an example. So it really gives us a much better platform for philanthropy at every level, but especially at the most impactful level for us going forward. And definitely uh, in the federal landscape, they are looking for additional funds to, you know, expand on the work that they are also funding. Paul, any concluding thoughts for our listeners? Yeah, you know, we just talked a little bit about kind of how AEOs will impact research and fundraising. And I I think one of the things that I'd, I'd like to focus on for a minute is, you know, our students. I think one of the things that's most important for us is obviously, you know, serving our students is top priority. But as I think about academic programs, AEOs for us is really an opportunity 
to really begin shifting in a direction of being much more interdisciplinary than we have historically. And this is going to be important for our students. I think it's going to be important for how our communications team thinks about its strategies, how enrollment management thinks about recruiting, but importantly, you know, how we build programs. And so for me, I will know we're successful when, as an example, you know, sustainability isn't some, just something that the students in B's are studying, right? When, when sustainability is integrated into business programs, design programs, engineering programs, right? That's when we'll know we're really there. So I, I think that's a critically important point in, in terms of this whole AEO initiative and our strategic plan. And it's hard. It is not easy. But I, I think this gets back when to this idea of connecting disconnected assets. And the more we're convening people from across schools and colleges, just the familiarity, right, will, will help us begin to rethink our courses, rethink our programs in ways that will really set up our students for success, but also, you know, for us as a tuition-dependent institution, just make our programs more attractive. Mm -hmm. So I think that's a a really important aspect of this whole initiative. Paul, not to take the last word from the provost, but (laughs) I think one of the advantages that I see Drexel having with our historic co-op program is that it also provides that opportunity for partners to help actively inform the curricular structure, what the current and future needs of learning are for our students so they can be productive in those corporations, and because they are also looking at these challenges from multiple viewpoints, or if they're not, we actually can convene them and bring them together, right? Right. So we can bring a pharma company and a business company and a healthcare entity together, for example, and look at issues perhaps differently than they might in isolation, which also then adds value to our student learning. You know, it really begins to position Drexel as a much more value-added place even than, than we may already be yeah. considered. And just to make sure you don't get the last word, let me Excellent. let me build on that for a second. <laughs> so, I, I, no, but Dave is 100% right. And this gets back to something we talked about earlier about integrating the different pillars or, or silos of our work, because it has been too siloed, right? Our research, our teaching, our civic engagement. But our partners are hugely important in this whole AEO initiative because getting back to disconnected assets, a lot of times we don't even recognize how our faculty could be working together, right? As David noted, I I think about our partners and the challenges they face in the business world or whatever, whatever space they're working in. Those problems, those challenges for us become a catalyst for how do we see the connections, Mm -hmm. right? How do we start thinking about our research differently? How do we start thinking about our academic programs differently? And so I think this is one of the huge advantages we have as Drexel is you identify the problems our partners are working on, and then you map the skill sets needed to tackle that problem onto the university, and that becomes a that sort of roadmap for the disconnected assets, right? So that's a it's a great point and I'm glad I got the last word. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you both for joining us. To learn more about the AEOs, please visit the priority section of the Office of the Provost website. Paul and David, thank you again for participating in this highly informative and engaging conversation. Thank you. Thank you, Gwen.